1: Hello and hey. welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with
0: Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? D- Daryl, no sports talk follows in the air. I had to actually throw on a little uh, jacket because it's a little bit chilly. I'm excited and I'm just raring to go up. I-, I can't wait to talk to our guests.
1: It's gonna be a great day today. And and this is uh, this is Q4 right now. We're in the heart of it. This is the final stretch. For what's been a a challenging year, and and I just want to give a huge shout out to everybody in the Selling from the Heart community. We get to talk with many of you in the Selling from the Heart Insiders group on a weekly basis and uh, lots of you through social media. And I want to say just a huge um, shout out, a huge congratulations, and thank you to everybody out there who is driving thriving, working to make this uh, the best year possible, having a great attitude, having a heart of service. And Larry, you know, as challenging as this year has been, um, in contrast to that, I've been so inspired by the uh, sales true leaders inside Selling from the Heart that are going out and making a difference in the world right now.
0: And it's it's near and dear to me. And, and this actually is a great segue into the podcast, but I'm I'm a big believer that every sales professional out there is a leader. But I, I'm a I'm a massive believer believer that in order to understand what it means to lead, you gotta lend a helping hand. And you gotta lend a helping hand not only within your sales team, but you gotta lend it out in the community, Daryl.
1: Yeah, we're seeing that happen all over the place. And by the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome! You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it selling from the heart. And Larry, uh, I just as, as we get started today, I just I, I want to also just say it's been so much fun having conversations with sales leaders. VPs of sales in organizations that are saying, you know what, we want to rethink the way we're doing sales training. We want to up our game going into 2021. And uh, just the conversations around our special report on sales training is broken and what to do about it. Um, it's been, it's been really cool talking to people, envisioning and dreaming and sharing ideas about how we can be more effective in developing our sales teams in the year to come.
0: Yeah, and, and just to layer on top of that, if we look at all the change that's happened in 2020, everything's changed around us. But my, my biggest question to sales leaders out there is how are you training and coaching your sales reps to all the change that's happening? And we can't, you know, can't might be a strong word, but I'm just going to just share it is we can't continue to train and coach our salespeople the way we always have been because the way it was is not the way it will be moving forward.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And if you want to check that out, by the way, um, you can go to our resources page. Uh, Just text the word HEART to 21000. That's HEART to 21000. You'll get access to that special report on uh, what's changing in sales training, along with all kinds of other resources. We'd love to talk with you about that. Um, especially if you're a sales leader. But you know, everybody in sales is a leader. And that's why I think today's conversation is going to be super relevant. So, Larry, why don't you introduce our guest and let's dive in?
0: I, I can't wait to bring Dave Sanderson on, but just a quick backstory. I just want to say a special thank you to Rick Denley, because he was a he was a recent guest on the podcast and it was shortly thereafter. He sends an email to myself and he CCs Dave and he says, Hey, I, I think it'd be great if you two get to know each other. We set up some time. We, got, we have very similar backstories, but I'm a massive, massive believer in sales. People are leaders. They have to be able to lead themselves. And we're going to have a fantastic conversation with Dave. So Dave Sanderson, we welcome you to Selling from the Heart.
2: Well, Larry and Daryl, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. I love sales. It's a great opportunity to have that
1: conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Dave, you know the question that every guest to the Selling from the Heart podcast gets. And I'm really curious what you have to say about what does it mean to you to sell from the heart?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I'll give a quick story because I think it really relates to this. So, you know, when, when I started speaking, I was in sales for 30 plus years before I started speaking. And one of the things that my last mentor, Tony Robbins, told me when I went out speaking is, you know, speak from the heart. And that wasn't hard for me to do because I always believed in selling from the heart, which meant meant to me is being my client's advocate, my customer's advocate. Them knowing that at 2 o'clock in the morning they could give me a call, I'm going to be there for them. And one of the things I actually wrote this week in my blog is how to become indispensable. How do we do that effectively and doing that effectively is starting with coming from gratitude from the heart. So that's, uh, that's uh, I think, something I've done for many years has helped me succeed in what I've been able to do.
0: It, it's, it's so good because speaking from the heart, I mean, that, we just have to play on this for a second. I mean, let's elaborate what's it mean to speak from the heart. We're talking about what's it mean to sell from the heart. But let's just peel this back real quick is what's it mean to speak from the heart? What's that look like?
2: Well, it's interesting because a lot of people that I've seen speak, they're great speakers, but they're from, um, you know, they got a program, right? They just go down the list, go down the list. But what I do is I put myself not only back in the seat where people are watching me, but back where part of my story is back in the plane when the plane crashed. So I actually will go back into the plane and feel those emotions. And once I go to that kinesthetic state, it starts coming out because kinesthetic really starts from inside the body and what's inside the heart. So what I do is I go from my visual state, my modality to my kinesthetic state. And once I do that, people can actually feel what I'm going through. And therefore, I'm, they're feeling my heart come out and my emotions come out. And I think that in sales, people want to know that you're in there with them. You're beside them, not going you know, confrontational with them. So it all starts from coming from the inside.
1: Wow, so this is, so you know, this is so powerful. I really want to unpack this because I think this is is very very interesting to me. But I just to bring our our guests up to speed, um Dave, I mean, you were you were one of the last people off the plane that crashed into the Hudson River in 2009, right?
2: That's correct. That's correct.
1: And wow. I mean, what a what in and, and and so I'm just this experience which first of all, um, just wow. And, um, you know, talk about being a leader and stepping up in a a tough situation that you didn't see coming. I mean, where, you know, how you started unpacking this in terms of the kinetic state, but I mean, how, what what have you learned from this? I, I, like coach us some more on this because this is really, really powerful stuff.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because at that point I was in sales for about 20 some years. I was actually coming back from a sales, three-day sales trip. So, uh, you know, I was in that sales business mode, but, you know, one one of the things I think really came out that day, and this is one of the things I talk about in my new book, is I was fortunate enough to have a mentor that came into my life in 1984, and he was teaching me all these lessons that came to me. I didn't know he was teaching me. Uh, You know, it was just one of those things, but it was that day, all these lessons that he taught me and I absorbed, and in addition to my being with Tony Robbins all those years, it came together that day, and it all started with personal leadership. It all started wow. with seeing things such, such as, you know, having an optimistic perspective. People say, well, how can you be optimistic when your plane is going straight into the water and you may not come back? Well, when you talk to somebody else and put things in proper perspective, that's part of sales that I talk about is I give people other stories, to get people put, help people put, get put in a proper perspective, such as, you know, I, I have somebody who may come to me with a problem and their, their problem they feel is pervasive. And I say, okay, I understand you're having a challenge. Just talk to somebody over." Let's talk somebody over in Uganda who's just lucky to have food today. right? And I did that in sales all the time. I would get people, let's put things in perspective. Yes, this is an issue, but in the bigger picture, you know, let's look at the bigger picture. And all of a sudden, I'm in alignment with my clients. So, you know, all these things that came together that day, I mean, there's so many things that I learned uh, that day that came out. But uh, I think the, one of the real big things that really came out is, uh, and it really was, came to light very quickly is I was pretty judgmental going forward. People said, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, I would judge things and people pretty quick. A lot of us do that. But then mm-hmm. after this, after the plane crash, I was in the, in the green room of good morning, American. I saw one of the passengers who survived went into a rage and I, I was like, what's wrong with this guy, right? What's wrong with this dude? I mean, we survived a plane crash. We're on national TV. How bad can it get? but I found out he just lost his job. He's going through a divorce. And all of a sudden I realized how quickly do I judge people? Uh-huh. If I could change that one thing, become less judgmental. How could that impact my life and my sales? Uh-huh. So I stopped judging my clients because they had a point of view. And all of a sudden that year I became number one salesperson in my entire region of a company, my name, of Oracle. And I was always a top salesperson, but it really came to light is if I could just change that one thing and I coach salespeople on, if you can become less judgmental on your clients and get more of an alignment and understand they do have a per- point of perspective and help them understand how you can help them with that point of perspective, it's changed the direction I have, how I, uh, I look at only life, but how I approach people, and especially in business.
0: And it, it's so interesting because um, I'm, I'm right there with you, Dave, on coaches. And, and I really didn't know the power of a coach until, gosh, probably my early 40s. And I think great coaches are great leaders. They get you to see things like you couldn't see them before. And it was really interesting. I was watching. It's actually a, it's deja vu because I was watching a video this morning and a guy's talking about coach, and he said a great coach can pull twenty times more potential out of you than you thought that you ever had. Isn't that interesting?
2: Yeah, I agree. I I, I totally agree. I've very been very blessed to be around people who who could just tap into those little distinctions. Like Tony Robbins always talks about little distinctions. It's not the big things, not the big rocks. It's the little things, right? And so co- great coaches and mentors can find those little distinctions and bring them out of you. And all of a sudden, take, take off what I call find your distinct advantage. That's what my whole talk's about now, how to find your distinct advantage, what, what you're most passionate about and you're new, uniquely gifted at. And once those things converge, you find what I call your pitch. And in sales terms, you may have a different opinion, but my, in I talk, it's called the point in time that changes everything. You'll find oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> right? So
1: oh that's yeah. that's beautiful. Hey, by the way, um, we meant to say this off the top, but huge big time congratulations on the book launch uh, this week. Uh, it's so exciting. God gives you the lessons when you're ready, 12 lessons that will change your life forever. Um, I can't, my copy is coming in, uh, in the Amazon prime delivery box right now. And I can't wait to read it. And uh, I just, I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm curious as you, as you, you know, we're we're thinking, we're sitting here at the end of this year. It's been, it's been a turbulent year. Um, I think there's an understatement. Um, It's been a year of a lot of uncertainty, a lot of salespeople. I mean, you know it's been a tough year to make a sales year in a lot of ways because of just the sheer disruption in all of that. Um, and and if you were to to coach us as sales professionals here, you know, just kind of looking back over the dust starting to settle on this year and looking forward. Um, you know, I, I know you you know you talk to a lot of people about uh bouncing back and even in your TED talk about what to do after a plane crash. I don't want to say that. Our sales year has totally been like a plane crash, but it has been pretty traumatic for a lot of salespeople that weren't expecting it. You know, if you could coach us for a few moments, what would you say to, to us as sales professionals here at the end of this crazy, crazy year?
2: Well, one thing I've learned, thank you very much, Daryl, for that question, because, you know, I talk about this in my, my TED Talk, about the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life and emotion is your life. And the meanings people are attaching right now are, are so out there. And salespeople, they can say, well, I had a tough year. And kind of, you know, I, I have a reason and I didn't make my number. But then I, I'll tell people, let's look at 2009. 2009 mm-hmm. was a really tough year for people in sales. I was in technology, right? I mean, it was really rough. But that yep. was my best year I've ever had in my sales career because I put things into proper perspective. The meaning I attached to, to what happened that year is an opportunity. So it goes back to what my mentor, Bill, taught me about having an optimistic perspective. And he, he opened up movie theaters during the Great Depression and started a business that became a multi million dollar business during the Great Depression. How does somebody do that? It's because the first they start out with the mindset of optimism that, you know, there's nothing out and he would listen to Franklin Roosevelt every, so, yeah. all the time with fireside chats and Franklin Roosevelt was going through a depression and the world war, but he was always optimistic always. And I think that's one of the first traits of salespeople I tell people is we got to get your mindset around. You never see this thing as a negative. There's always an opportunity. But if you if you look at the meaning you attach as negative, then you're going to get a negative result. You know, so first thing I talk to salespeople about is we're going to work on, on your mindset, which was the first thing my mentor worked on me was my mindset. So that's why I really, that was the genesis of that.
1: Oh, that's so, so powerful right now. And I mean, we could, we could hit the pause on this interview, and I think just run with that, um, you know, and, and it would be it, it'd be so valuable. And that that framing of this situation as a positive and not a negative is so critical. And, and man, all the voices—there's so many negative voices. There always have been, uh, but certainly right now, and and to be uh, be reframing it as opportunity. How do you go about doing that? Like, practically speaking, how, you know, what, I mean, we, how, do, how do you operationalize that?
2: I'll, I'll give you a quick little story. So, where I'm sitting right now, Mike got a phone call, this is what, back in what, 2016 or so, my wife got a phone call from a couple of neighbors. They were older ladies having a difficult time getting their TV to work. Now, my wife asked me if I would go down and help them. You know, I, I live in the South. Where you always help your neighbors, especially elderly people, right? You just do it. That's part of what you, you I grew up. And I'm pretty good at getting TVs on anyway. So I went down there, helped him get your TV on in a couple of seconds. They asked me to stay for milk and cookies. Now I love milk and cookies. I don't know about you, but I love them. Especially from a couple of older ladies could probably bake, right? I'm all in. So <laughs> Come on, bring cookies, it on. Stuff, I'm sitting in their parlor looking at these books on their coffee table. And I opened one of them, and it's about World War II. Now I love World War II history. I mean, I, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I, anything I can give my hands. So I'm reading this. And I'm like, well, this is amazing. So they walked out. and said, where did you get this book? I've never seen this book. And all they both looked at me and rolled up their sleeves and showed me the numbers and, and letters down their arms. So Whoa. They survived a concentration camp. Wow. And they lost their entire family. I said, can I record this story? I mean, they were in their 70s. They, they won't let me record it, but they told me for two hours this story about how they survived a concentration camp. Wow! And I was blown away. I came back here to the city and I, that's where I came with the genesis of my book, Moments Matter. That's how this whole thing came about. Wow. But then, but then I started realizing that all these people who are going through their, what I call their personal plane crash moments, which everybody uh-huh. has. Mm-hmm. Salespeople have them every day, every day, right? And so, you know, I like, help, I'm, I started my own virtual sort of references. So that's when I started, I, I found people who had went through worse things than that I've ever gone through surviving the, uh, an avalanche in Nepal or somebody in Uganda. So when someone would come to me, a salesperson or anybody would come to me, I said, all right, I know you're having a tough day. Let's talk to, I'll call, I'll pick up the phone right then, call somebody. And all of a sudden I put people in proper perspective I'll say, okay, you're having a tough day, but it's not like you don't have food. Right? You're just having a tough day, right? Wash the past daily, move forward. And all of a sudden I, that's one of the strategies I always use with people is I, you know, we all think our, everything's coming down on us hard. And all of us, a lot of us have tough times. I don't, I'm not saying this COVID thing is a tough time for a lot of people. They don't know how to handle it because they've never had a handle situation before. So one of the things I write about in the book, Daryl, and, and Larry is this one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me is they made me make decisions early in life with consequences. And that's one of the things I think that parents today do not do. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm an angel. I didn't do this because I want my kids to be able to have a, you know, have a future and be able to do things. But that gift gave me the ability that day on the Hudson River to make decisions quickly and being able to you know, understand what the decisions are. So salespeople have to make decisions quickly mm-hmm. and, and they live with the consequences of it. You speak a
0: gift. And, and I've said this time and time again. And people look at me, Dave, and they'll go, man, you're crazy. I said, you know what? The greatest gift that the many in sales have gotten this year could be the gift of COVID. And I'm not saying this in, in, a, in a derogatory way is this could be the reset, right? That We talk about mindset. This could be the mindset shift that says, hey, you know what? There's been change happening all around us this year, and we've had to adapt to it. So what would it look like if I adapted as well with that change? Because I know if there's one thing that's going to happen, if you want to future-proof your career, you have to remove the negative mindset. You got to create a positive mindset. And that's why I said, you know, this could be the greatest gift that many of us have been given this year.
2: I I agree. And that's why when I wrote the, Larry, you were speaking right the language this week because that's why I wrote my blog because my daughter's having a tough time getting a job. I actually wrote my, the blog for my daughter, not directly, but indirectly, because know one of the things that, you know, I asked my mentor when I was actually going from copiers to technology, <laughs> you know, I said, I want to be a fast mover. I want to be the number one guy, right? I was the number one guy in copiers. How do I do it? And he told me become indispensable you know, and that way you'll always have a job. And I said, well, how, how do you become indispensable? He goes, become a prime mover. Now I didn't know what a prime mover meant. But he says like you get being was like, have, like have a piece of cheese and a mouse. Well, you're a piece of cheese and, and the mice has come to you. And if you become that mindset that you're a prime mover and people will just be attracted to you for what you do, then you'll always be indispensable. And that was one of the greatest lessons I had because that next year in sales, I was the number one guy even in technology. Because one of the things I did differently, and we were talking about this before, Daryl and it was this is about training, right? Is you know, how does sales training? Well, Fortunately for me, my mentor told me sales training back then, it was basically product training. He uh-huh. said, you got to invest in, in your own sales training in yourself. That's right. So that's why I started investing myself in personal development and going to these seminars. And, and that's why I always have, tell people, invest in yourself first. You know, you'll get great product training from your companies, but that's, not, that's, a, that's product training. You, you need somebody from the outside coming in with working on the mindset. And that's why I always tell people, take personal responsibility for your own training. Do not g- rely on your company. They're there for one thing, for their profits. You got to work on yourself first, which is personal leadership.
0: That's oh, so good, Daryl. I love when spot I hear the mindset on. aspect of this.
1: Yeah, spot on. Oh, this, this is such a relevant conversation, Dave. I'm curious um, out of the book, and I wish we had time to go through all 12 lessons that you learned, but that's why you need to go to Amazon right now and get the book. Uh, but in the context of sales, um, what are, what is, what's another one of those lessons, one of those 12 lessons that you think is hyper relevant to us right now?
2: Well, I'll go to chapter 12. And it was a great lesson for me because, you know, when I was growing up, I was a very good athlete. And But about eighth or ninth grade, I would get a, have a little temper. I would push back a little bit on referees and get thrown out of games and things like that. And I, I had to control my temper. So one of the things that really helped me is not only the coaches back then, but when I was with my mentor, we talked about this. Because, you know, so I, had, I had a situation in sales where, I, learned, I think I told you this, where I, yeah, I had the biggest year in that year. And I, I mean, sixty had a $64,000 commission check coming my way. Which is back, back in the early '90s, that was huge money. Big you know, time and today, that's pocket change for a lot of people. Back then, it was a lot of money. But we got a new manager that came in, mm-hmm. and the first thing he told me was, he gave me the check. He said, "You'll never get this amount of money again while you're here." Very <laughs> there's positive, a master motivator. There you right. go. <laughs> Very <positive laughs> reinforcement. And I went to my mentor, and we talked about, it. and one of the things he talked about. This is lesson number twelve. I talk about life lesson is the ability to, have, how to have and maintain composure. Mm. And right now, there's a lot of people who are emotional, whether it's through politics or mm-hmm. not getting the sales. And one of the greatest lessons I got was about composure. And unfortunately for me, it started back when I was a hothead in uh, you know in uh, ninth grade and high school sports. But I needed somebody to really bring that out and gave me some perspective on, on how powerful being composed. And actually that day on the Hudson River, I think that played a lot to what happened for me because I didn't lose my head. Because I really believe if anybody would have lost their heads that day, all the focus goes to that person or that action. And now all of a sudden, you got 24 minutes to get off a plane because it's going to the bottom of the river. And all of a sudden, if your mind is not focused on the mission, it's focused on somebody's not with composure, you may not make it. So, that one lesson right there, I think, for salespeople wow. is how to maintain composure when all stuff's breaking loose around you.
0: I, I, t- I tell you what, Dave you know, I would have done more than lost my composure if I was facing that situation, right? It, so
2: I'm sure somebody did lose uh, some other things on the composure. <laughs> so, I, I, just, I just don't know who they are, but I'm sure somebody did. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh man. I, I love also how um, in your new book, you're talking about a topic that is near and dear to our heart. And I think it's a great way to, to wrap our conversation about talking about servant leadership leading um, from a servant uh, perspective. Larry, you write about that in Selling from the Heart here in your book, your new book, God Gives You the Lessons When You're Ready. Servant leadership. Dave, how is that uh, a part of the mix in all of this from a sales perspective?
2: Well, one of of my new partner and my new mentor, Don Barden out of Atlanta, he has his talks about the perfect plan. And part of the perfect plan is coming from a servant leadership perspective. Always Wanting to add value first before value is added to yourself, so <clears throat> I think it's a perfect way for people in sales to understand it. If, if you're always focusing on your next commission check, you might you might get one, but you're not going to be around a long time. You got to focus on how you can add value first. Adding value first is serving first. And all, and, 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 and candidly, guys, I'll be very candid. I had some challenges with one of my companies who didn't think that I should do that. They they always thought that I should take the company perspective first. Uh-huh. And because I was always taking the, the client, I wanted to be the client advocate. And there were times when I was clashing with my company, but they didn't understand that, you know, when, when I'm the advocate for the client, they look, took me and his family. Now uh-huh. I'm, I, you know, they're, they're my raving fan. Uh-huh. Right. So when, when all hell, hell breaks loose, they call me, I get it fixed for them, even though I might be pushing back on the company policies and procedures, but it comes down to the thing I talk about on the plane, doing the right thing. It always starts with doing the right thing. Sometimes it doesn't benefit you directly, but it always benefits you in the long term.
0: Yeah. And, and I think yeah, I, I just want to expand on this, this servant thing for just a moment because I, I love talking about this because a lot of times in sales, and, and I'm, they'll say, Hey, we provide great service, or we're here to be of service to you. And there's nothing wrong with it. We use it all the time. I've used it. Everybody's used it. But when you can flip that whole analogy around and say, you know what? I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve up myself, my knowledge, my insight, my network, my help. It automatically changes the conversation because I think, To serve means you're going on the offense. You're being proactive in nature as opposed to being reactive in nature. And quite frankly, a lot of people in sales are reactive in nature. Hence, look what's happening right now. Everyone's been reacting instead of, you know what? I'm going to flip this around. I'm going to take the bull by the horns and I'm going to be proactive through this whole situation.
2: Most definitely. I think that's a great, great analogy because, Right now, if, if you're going to be reactive right now, you're going to get emotional. And once we just talked about this, is when you're emotional, you can't maintain composure. No. So it really starts with the mindset, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to take control. I'm going to be the one controlling my mind. I'm going to let anybody else control my mind. And yes, I may not agree with all this stuff that's going on, but how can I come from a servant leadership out of, and that's one of the things I talk about, is how can you transform yourself with gratitude? And it always starts with gratitude. Uh-huh. And I'll, I'll leave you with this because I was I was in Fiji with Tony, and we were actually going to go jump off a hundred br- foot bridge in the middle of the night <laughs> to a salt lake. All right?
0: And and of course Tony, you were. Stuff, right? Yeah. And, hey, here's a big question, Dave. Did you have composure?
2: Well, I asked you how I, was, I wasn't losing it, but like, you know, okay, I got to maintain my mind now, right? With the matter, <laughs> I asked you. I said, "How does someone maintain their mind when it's going 15 different directions?" That was the question I asked you. as you were going up this mountain he says, it all starts with transforming yourself with gratitude. If you come from gratitude, you know, and just center yourself, you know, definitely it'll work. You have more chances for it to work out than not. So when, I'll leave you with this. So whether you're in sales or you a business or you're going down in a plane crash or you're in COVID right now and your sales aren't there, start out with gratitude. Being grateful for what you have
0: mm. because
2: grace is fueled by gratitude.
0: Amen on that one, Daryl.
1: I absolutely love it. Dave, you're a true inspiration. I'm so thankful that we got to share time with you today. And and uh, thank you so much for investing in all of us. And And I just appreciate all that you're about. It's really, really cool.
2: Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Well, it, we're glad you're here. And to everyone else in the Selling from the Heart community, thanks for joining us today. You'll want to go get a copy of Dave's book. We'll put the link uh, to that in the show notes. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. God gives you the lessons when you're ready, 12 lessons that will change your life forever. So keep investing in yourself. And th- I think that is the message from today, Larry, is we've got to invest in ourselves. We've got to take this on. Um, And I just want to encourage everybody as we finish out this year, let's look at how we're framing the situation and can we learn to frame the situation as opportunity. So, until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, invest in yourself, be a servant leader, and most of all, sell from the heart.